Please be seated. To those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be around the world, and to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning is the gospel that you heard read before from Mark chapter 9. I recall just these words. Jesus' appearance changed in front of them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone on earth could bleach them. In the name of Jesus Christ, our transfigured Lord, my beloved. We seem to be living in a world where it's becoming increasingly difficult for people to differentiate truth from spin, fact from fiction, and reality from illusion. I mean, let's face it, there's all sorts of movies out there. You can see it on TV, all those visual effects, cinematronics, and uh, sometimes you don't know what's true and what's not. I was watching uh, Outrageous Acts of Science last night, and they try to ask you which is true here and which is just fake. And so we have uh, geckos selling insurance, cars flying, toys that come alive at night, and parents who have to remind their children every once in a while, no, no, Superman really can't fly. And sorry to tell you, there really is no such person as Batman or Spider-Man. Fact and fiction blur. And how about truth and falsehood? The world tries to get us to believe that evolution is science, and abortion is just a medical procedure, and adultery is a-okay as long as it's done between two consenting adults. And then, of course, there's revisionist history, where the truth of the past is rewritten. There was really no such thing as that German Holocaust. And the American founding fathers of ours were just a bunch of group of bad rich guys. What is the truth? What is falsehood? What is fact? And what is fiction? And enter the reality shows, where you're supposed to really see reality. American picker, pickers, swamp people, pawn stars, storage wars, hoarders, and the list goes on. So, what does that have to do with anything today? Well, the answer is today's Transfiguration Sunday. Today we focus our attention on a seemingly surreal event. But make no mistake, the event really happened. Real people were really there. It was in, done in real time so that we could know the truth. I mean, after all, isn't that what we really come for here once a week, uh, one day a week? To get a dose of reality from the only absolute source book of real truth in the world, the Bible. This morning, St. Mark describes for us a historical event. No revisionist history allowed. 
And I think there's a whole bunch of obvious questions that we would like answered as we look in on Jesus' transfiguration. When did it happen? Where did it happen? Who was there? What did they do? And what did they do after it was all over? And so St. Mark says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. Now this event, this transfiguration of Jesus, took place about nine months before Jesus entered the gates of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He was now up north in Galilee, and he took him up either, either to the mountaintop of Mount Tabor or Mount Hermon, we're not really sure. And this was nothing like the mountains, you know, that we have the Rockies out west. Uh, these were low hills, uh, maybe two to 3,000 feet. But the, the, the elevation in the Holy Land changes so drastically, some of those small hills look like uh, large mountains because at the Sea of Galilee is below sea level. Now, even though only four people climbed the mountain, when they got to the top, the entourage grew to seven. And here's where we have to remind ourselves that the seemingly surreal event is real. There were seven people there. God the Father was there revealing himself in a brilliant cloud, speaking to his son. Moses and Elijah came back from heaven in bodily form. Now, we know a little bit about Moses and Elijah. Both were prophets of God, and both of them were acquainted with fire. Moses was called to be a prophet by God in that burning bush, and then that pillar of fire led Moses and the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. Elijah witnessed God's fire from heaven when it consumed that water-soaked altar to Baal. And then Elijah cried out to the people. He said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Or he was telling the people, you pick now between reality and illusion, truth or lies. Perhaps Moses and Elijah were there on the mountaintop because they represent two different ways that you can enter heaven. Either by death or by translation. I mean, did you think about that? We heard that in the reading this morning, Elijah didn't die. He went to heaven in a whirlwind. You know, it may be that some of us are not going to die. If Jesus returns before our death, you won't have to die. You'll be translated, transformed, Holy Scripture says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with the Lord in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Translated, not die. Perhaps Moses and Elijah were just there as God's Old Testament representatives. You know, in, in uh, Jesus' day, they called the Bible the Mo Moses and the prophets because Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible and then the prophets wrote all the uh, rest of them. And the one thing that they were always prophesying was about Jesus. So, God the, so the, the prophets were there uh, representing the written word, and God the Father was there representing the spoken word, and Jesus was there who was the living word. 
Well, now that we know who was there on that mountaintop, what were they doing? Well, first of all, we have to say that all eyes were fixed on Jesus. God the Father's eyes were fixed on Jesus. Moses and Elijah were fixed on Jesus. Peter, James, and John were fixed on Jesus. That was their focus. God the Father said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. He's now going to do what I sent him to do very shortly. And then Moses and Elijah were there talking with Jesus about what? One of the other Gospels tells us exactly what. They were talking to Jesus about his departure. His departure into death by way of the cross. Just think of that. The Old Testament representatives who prophesied were now looking bodily at the fulfillment of all their prophecies in the person of Jesus Christ. And there was Jesus. And some of the old translations say that he was transfigured. That means that he was changed. And you read some of the other Gospels and they say that he was so bright it was like looking into the sun. You couldn't do it. When Jesus came to earth, he veiled his divinity with humanity. He covered up his heavenly brilliance with human flesh. And for a brief moment, just now, he lifted up that veil to show them that he truly was God. Standing before them was a person who was not going to set up a palace in Jerusalem. He did not come to deal with earthly economics or health care or political issues. He was the God who possessed all power in heaven and on earth that was going to go down the mountain to give his life in humiliating circumstances for you and for me. And then how about the disciples? What were they doing? Well, St. Mark says they were sleeping. Maybe they were so overcome with anxiety, they were exhausted. Then they looked and they saw Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And after some suggestion by Peter, they, they put up three, uh, four tents up there to, for Jesus and, and Moses and Elijah, three tents. Then uh, all of a sudden it was over. God the Father went back to heaven. Moses and Elijah went back to heaven. Jesus went down to die. Possessing all power in heaven and on earth, he now was going to do what he came to do. And what about the disciples? What did they do? When things got tough for Jesus, as we're going to hear this Lenten season, they fled. When Jesus was crucified, they looked up powerless, not knowing what to do. When he rose again, they were so slow to believe. And when he sent, ascended into heaven, they kept looking up, thinking that they were all alone. But at Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit finally set in. They finally understood what reality really was. And then Peter preached so boldly, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Salvation is found in no other, no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Not only did the disciples start to speak, they also wrote. James and John and Peter all wrote in their letters in the Bible that they saw Jesus on the mountaintop, 
transfigured. St. James calls Jesus the glorious Lord. St. Peter says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty on the holy mountain. And John said, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Three disciples privileged to ascend the mountaintop to see the light show, to see the reality show. And in so doing, they began to be transfigured themselves by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, whenever we review the transfiguration event, some people think that this was the greatest display of Jesus' glory in his time on earth, and you're absolutely wrong. Jesus' greatest display of glory was when he stretched out his arms for you on the cross and died. That's when he transformed everything. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when Jesus died on the cross, he had some other transfigurations in mind. He wanted you changed. And today we saw, witnessed another one of those miracles. Brody was changed from an unbeliever to a believer. And St. Paul says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. We lost the image of God when Adam and Eve fell. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we get it back. Jesus, on the Mount of Transfiguration, reveals to us two things. He was true God who veiled himself in humanity, yet possessing all power in heaven and on earth, and yet he willingly subjected himself to death for you and me. Jesus was the center of attention on that holy mountain. May he continue to be our center of attention through our appointment with Jesus, through our special meditations this Lenten season, and every day. On the mountain, Jesus revealed his power and his love. That's who he is, that's what he did. That's who he is, that's what he does. And that's the real truth. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We take this time now to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.